Hey friends, welcome to week three of these bonus episodes between seasons. They're bonus because we don't know what else to call them. But that's cool. Hey, and we're doing something fun, and I can't wait for you to meet the guy that's going to be on this podcast today. But just a reminder, here's what we're about. We're trying to get rid of this weird, funky, false wall that keeps marketplace leaders and church leaders from having the most fulfilling relationships that they can between one another. There's a partnership in the kingdom of God, and it should happen between all people regardless of what we do with our day and it seems to me that there's this weird wall and fortunately God helped me see through that wall by just giving me some terrific friends over the last 10 years of making disciples with disciples made one of those friends that was coming into the podcast room today is Mike Farig Mike welcome brother Brian good to be here oh man your voice sounds so good and it sounds almost as good as you look just having you, just, I just love having you here, dude. <laughs> it's good to be with you. Hey, before we get into kind of how we met and, you know, how this has been a great relationship for the two of us, just tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us about your family real quick, yep. any faith background. Yeah, I'd love to. So, um, so I get uh, the opportunity to lead a, a group here in, in town called Fervor. And we have, we're a strategic communications firm geared towards faith based nonprofits across the country. Mm. Been doing that the last 12 years after getting really called into that, uh, clearly after a corporate climb. And uh, in fact, that's how I met my wife. So my wife and I, Kim, been married nine years. We have three kids, five, three, one, and one on the way. Wow. Pray for me, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Pray for Kim. Amen to that. <laughs> She's a stud. So fervor is important. I don't, I don't want to go too far yeah. down the road here. You told us kind of what it is, but why the name? How did that start? Give yeah. us a little bit of that background. Sure. So, so 2008, July of 2008, I went on a mission trip to Haiti. Changed my life. It's cliche, right? You know, you go on a mission trip, you're going to help. We all know if you've got this story, it's cliche because you get your life changed. That's, I got one of those stories. And I met a little kid named Daniel on that trip, a mm. uh, Haitian kid who changed my life. I, wor- I, I journaled that Daniel and his friends worshiped with fervor, yet they had nothing. Mm. And I wanted some more of that. And so I thought, gosh, what better way to remind myself and anyone who might come along for the ride on uh, fervor that that's what we're about. That's that's why we're here. We're here to make sure that we keep kingdom focus and we keep that sort of joy that doesn't need a profit. Hmm. that doesn't need a lot of money in the bank. Doesn't need a lot of stuff that just needs the joy of, uh, you know, knowing your father. That's and this awesome. kid knew his daddy. I mean, he knew his dad, and he knew he was saved, child of Jesus, and and I wanted more of that. That so wrecked that, your world. Yeah, it reminds me every day. So it's one of those, man, I love it. Plus, you know, as a passionate guy, do something with passion, do something with fervor, kind of fits. So I thought, yeah. gosh, that that feels like the right that feels like the right thing. I, I think it is, and I think it demonstrates well what you do regularly. As disciples made, has been a client of fervor uh, all these years, which is a lot of fun. Um, so obviously when you're talking about fervor, you're not new to to being a follower of God, but give us a little bit of the faith background just from a really 30,000 foot view. Did you grow up in church? Uh, what was lacking before Haiti? Blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. So grew up in a Christian house. My, my parents, you know, did a fantastic job, taught me how to work hard, you know, showed me what it was to live a faithful life, but gosh darn, if I didn't run kind of kicking and screaming towards the 
almighty dollar mm. uh, in high school and college, and that was my that was what what you know what captured my heart and mind, mm. um, career. Uh, titles, money, and I was pretty good at getting all of those mm. at an early age. Worked my way through college to do just that. Mm. And so I wasn't really interested necessarily in anything that would be, you know, just, I don't know, that would cost me something. Uh, so I went to church, but but I wasn't at church. Mm. I mean, if you know somebody who sits in that pew, but they're not, they're not doing a dang thing with their life that really shows the fruit of Jesus, uh, that was me. That was me. Um, you know, a personal challenge really sent me on a very different road. I got divorced um, early on, and and uh, I didn't see it coming. I should have. Hmm. I mean, I wasn't chasing her. I was chasing other things, hmm. and um, and it and it caused me to start to journal hmm. and read my Bible. It's crazy what diet and exercise will do for a body. Uh, I mean, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So, guys, I tell you, do not journal and ask God big questions like, what should I do with my life? If you don't want some freaking hard answers. And that's what I got. I got freaking hard answers, and it became really clear I needed to leave my career and trust more. And that's what what I've been trying to do really since then. Um, And I got serious about my faith in a way that was way less about going to church and way more more about my heart and my condition of my heart. And that is also what led me to start to search for things that could help me in ways that I didn't really see and experience in my church and my growing up kind of experience of faith to that point. Hmm. In fact, I think that's what really led me to to be very interested in what you were doing with Disciples Made, brother. Yeah, so that starts to take us toward that part of the conversation where we talk about how we met and uh, one of the things we want to highlight, and it's been helpful to highlight with the previous two guests here, is like, what were the preconceived notions of, you know, you as a business guy looking, oh, I'm going to talk to a pastor guy, I've got to, you know, edit my speech, I mean, whatever it is. What, what were you thinking that was oh, yeah. perhaps subconscious and me for you? I'll tell you what mine was, because I've told you this a number of times. Actually, a buddy of, of mine uh, who was helping me with Disciples Made at the time, Mike Tanner, said, uh, we've got to start doing some marketing. We've got to start getting some branding going. And uh, I've asked around, and there's this guy named Farrick downtown, has this ministry called Fervor, this business called Fervor to do this. And I'm like, oh, great, we're going to go downtown. We're going to meet a suit. I didn't want to meet a suit. So there's some of that preconceived bias in my yeah. head. And it wasn't so much as a pastor. It was like, you know, to do this branding stuff for Disciples Made, and I'm going to meet a suit. And I get up there, and I see this dude who says, you want a beer? <laughs> was that the first or second question? I think it might have been the first question. I think it might have been the first question. <laughs> You've got this beer test thing that you do. It's like a chemistry test between people. And I'm like, okay, he doesn't have a suit on. He's got jeans. He's got the same, you know, uh, shirt that's got the un- that's untucked shirt down here like I could and I left that thing going I want to spend more time with that guy clearly about the branding stuff but I just I want to I want to hang with him so what was it like for you yeah yeah I think it's it was similar I mean I think my my growing up and the paradigm I come I come at the world is a business paradigm I love business I love marketing I love sales I love the construct of business and, and I don't find that sort of um, knowledge and expertise 
present in in very many church leaders. Sure. Um, you know, they're uh, have a different focus in some cases, and I, you know, certainly have have had and seen some challenges with trying to work with churches over the last you know twelve years or so. That makes sense. And but I think my my con- conception was probably similar. Like, oh man, this guy's going to tell me he's got no money, right? Because because every church leader I've ever met says I don't have any money. We're doing this from Jesus' name. Please do it for free. Right. And I'm like pretty sure you know the dude's got all the money in the freaking world (laughs) let's do this together abundance mentality or not and i don't see that a lot my conception came at at you know with like this guy's gonna ask me for a freebie again you know he's not gonna know how to build he's not gonna take my advice he's gonna you know that was i was walking into the room with all sorts of baggage brother about how i felt like this would probably go and that didn't ring very true. I think. Hold on, let me pause you real yeah. quick there. So let's let's think about the listener for a minute. Let's take a, take a quick uh, pause. Would you say that that's probably true with most of the businessmen you know? Do they have similar feelings when they're setting up? Because what we're trying to do is like really unpack what are these preconceived notions that keeps us right. from having a more fluid a conversation and relationship. And I'm going to probably have mostly pastors listening to this podcast. Right. And they're going to be going, what, and, you know, right. help, help me. It's like, what of those do you think is pretty mm-hmm. um, consistent across business owners or C-level business leaders like yourself? Yeah, I think the only other thing that I, I so, so there's some consistencies. One, lots of those business leaders think you're after their money. Hmm. That, a, that a church, when a church leader, you know, sets a meeting that you want a donation, you know. Number two, I think they think, and and I think, I think they. I'm going to speak for me, and maybe some others feel similarly that it's not a partnership. That that you know, lots of pastors feel like they they want a pastor. Like, hey, I need to, I want to help you. I want to reach out, but uh, but there's not a lot, you know, of dialogue. It's not a two way street. It's a one way street. Let mm-hmm. me let me help you. Um, let me pastor you. Let me tell you how you live a better spiritual life. Wow. As opposed to relationally entering in, saying, "Hey, what's going on in your business? What's going on in your What's going on in your marriage? What's going on in your family?" Bro, that's huge. And and I think that's the paradigm that lots of us are living in. If you uh, are paying attention at the end of uh, week one of this bonus episode, that very very thing is there. So, pay attention, pastors. We're trained to be the experts in all things spiritual. But we're not trained to be aware that other people might actually have as much or more spiritual acumen than us coming into this. And they wanted to be treat, treated as human. So anyway, so let's get back to our relationship here. I think that's, that was an important segue there. But uh, let's get back to our relationship. What did you experience that was a surprise here? Yeah. Two-way street, brother. Hmm. I mean, you're a two-way street, period. You enter in with lots of expertise. It's it's absolutely true that that you could come in as the expert counselor at, at, with the pedigree and the and the practice that that comes with that. But you enter into a dialogue and a conversation first, mm. and you want candidly you're open to also hearing the flip side and learning and growing on uh, you know for yourself that is what relationships are right <laughs> isn't that a healthy marriage isn't that a healthy friendship isn't that a healthy business isn't that a healthy church when we have good two-way dialogue that makes each other better yeah that's i think the human condition mm. 
And I think that's what Jesus wanted in all of us, right? He tried to train 12 dudes to do this together, not separate. And in fact, he sent them out in twos as, a, as an example to say, you can't do it on your own, kids. Mm. And I think that's what exactly what got me and struck me with you is like, you're two-way street mm. all day long. And you're willing and able both to give, and you give way more than probably you give yourself credit for, but you also are willing to get and learn on the other side. In fact, you want it. Yeah. And that is the posture that I loved, and I was first like, yep, I want to hang with this dude. So, man, it's been a hugely beneficial relationship, at least for me. Yeah. So it started as an introduction in business. It ended up being an invitation for you to come and join yeah. An accelerated followers made. We did one really, really yeah. quickly in order to get you into a leaders made on time, of course, which was with several of the folks on this podcast, Mitch uh, Rice, who's now our COO, Paul Ward, who will yeah. be up next week. Uh, all exciting stuff. Um, really quickly, what 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 were the biggest impacts? Cause I want to come back and say, what do you think are the biggest impacts you've made in Disciples Made? Because it's been a huge uh, mutual beneficial relationship here. Uh, but what would you say Disciples Made's biggest impact on you as a husband, father, and business owner would be? Top two or three big takeaways. Yeah, yeah big takeaways for me. The the Leaders Made process was one that all that showed uh, for me, it's been hugely impactful in, in business, both relationally with wise counsel around me, which is one of the key tenets, I think, for any good leader, for any good business, for any good church leader, by the way, wise counsel around you. And those guys that you mentioned are still around me, by the way. Yes. Like, you know, probably the best leaders made there will be. I challenge someone else to come up with a better leaders made. Yeah, it's a good probably one. the best because that's that's what we do. But hey, I challenge you. You know, you want to say, let's join a leaders made and see see if you can uh, you know best the best. Yeah. There you go. Um, but for me personally, this was beneficial both for Kim and I in mm. terms of some of the conversations we had because of what it really. I would say forced uh, me to think about in my theology of my own, what is real and relevant for me. It caused me to wrestle some really good uh, questions down Hmm. that weren't just like, oh, I got a surface level faith. But now, you know, I've tried to wrestle down some big questions about my own personal theology. And that caused, you know, Kim and I to really do that together Hmm. and wrestle that together. Oh, that's fun. Um, what it also did for us is is set up a, a kind of a tenor and tone that that we had already been maybe leaned in and predisposed to do of how healthy communication works, hmm. which is I think tantamount to a healthy marriage. Yeah. So or any relationship, staff, and <laughs> everything. Yeah. Business wise, it's been hugely beneficial. Good guys around. Good. Hmm. Good. Uh, it, it that that same communication practice and principles. And theology and setting the, the tone has bled into the business and certainly been very beneficial. I'm a I'm a fan of making disciples. I believe that's what business is here to do is to be a ministry of sorts. It, you know, as believers, we're charged with that. And this really shone the light on how to do that in some some healthy ways. Oh man, that's fantastic! And I, what what an honor because that's really that. That kind of ministry and service seeds the kingdom in ways that the local congregation really can't. It gets into ways that are just huge, and i so grateful to hear that. All right, so um, back to the conversation we were having just a minute ago of being able to be honest with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, we've kind of cut each other uh, in the most <laughs> loving ways. More than once. There's never conflict. It was just you ask questions about what's going on here. You invite me to to bring 
you know, an evaluation. And similarly, and I think the hardest lessons I've had to learn about the biggest mistakes I was making have come from you, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's taken you a while to like get to the bigger ones. It's like, I still might, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to, <laughs> but uh, when they come, it's like, it's, it's been a, such a huge asset for me personally, because it helps me see and grow. What would you say would be your top two or three biggest contributions uh, to Disciples Made as a whole? As you've seen it evolve from 13, like that's eight years now. That's crazy. Uh, what would you say would be your biggest contributions of helping Disciples Made go from an unbranded uh, idea with some successful groups to the not-for-profit it is today? Mm. Well, I I don't know. What I hope I'm, what I hope I'm here to do is to is as as Jesus would ask us, try to be wise counsel to each other, hmm. give each other you know wisdom and and be that be that challenge point. Um, there's no way that I'm a I'm just a guy that's going to say yeah that's a good idea let's let's right. do that that is just I not in that. my DNA <laughs> I don't need that and that's not what you need that's not what any of us need right like right. I mean what what I think we need is more truth tellers in our lives and so what I hope I'm doing and I'm and I'm able to continue to do is is both encouragement but a call to hire a call to truth a call to hey this isn't good enough or or this needs to be pushed or why are we waiting on that? Or what do we, you know, gosh, let's do. And the things that hopefully I've learned or I've seen in the business side that will work and do translate to ministries. And we work with, we work with, you know, nonprofits across the country of all sizes. So I've, I've got a, a an interesting paradigm that I, I think is valuable in this space. And gosh, I'd love that this is a chance for, for us to work, you know, together in, in this way and love serving in the board, love just being an advocate. I'm an advocate through and through and will be yeah. no matter what, title I might have at the time. I don't think that changes how I'll interact with, uh, with this thing. And I, in the future is just getting sweeter and sweeter to, to think about all the time as oh, yeah. your counsel has been applied and the counsel of others, dude, you're just one of those guys. When I know I get to meet with Farrig that afternoon, whether it's a board meeting or whether we're just hanging out to do a kind of a quarterly connect on personal stuff, I always look forward to that hug because I know I'm always going to get a warm, rich hug. Mike, thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being a, a, a contributor with wisdom and many, many other things to this ministry. You're changing lives. Thank you. Brother, thanks for having me. It's good to be with you. Absolutely.